friends, I'm Kara Kay. And I'm Elizabeth. And this is the Asking for a Friend podcast. Each week, we are navigating challenging questions you have about yourself, the church, and the world. But don't worry, we know you're only asking for a friend. Today, we're continuing our discussion about women in the church and answering the question, should women lead in the church? This is part two of a three-part series. So join us as we break free from the status quo and engage in conversations that matter. Hey friends, welcome to the show this week. Before we dive into our conversation, we want to take a minute to chat about the little things. So Elizabeth, what is a little thing making a big impact in your life? So my little thing this week is actually kind of a big thing. It's my husband. So not saying he's big, but he is obviously a big part of my life. Uh, And I'm just super grateful for him because... Number one, he listens to the podcast. I think that's so cute. Uh, But that's not really why I'm grateful. This week, I'm grateful because I had a surgery a couple weeks ago, the week of Thanksgiving. And he was so great about just giving me time to rest and recuperate. And he took care of the kids. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to worry about anything. I could just hole up in my room and read a lot of books and watch a lot of Netflix and know that everything was being taken care of. And, you know, I mean, we have five kids. That's a lot of kids. And it's hard to logistically get them to where they need to be every single day. Um, and he did it, you know, and he's he's so great. He doesn't complain. He um, just has the greatest attitude and is willing to serve and, you know, kind of willing to pick up the slack when I'm down and out. And this episode actually drops on the day that I'm having a second surgery. So he's going to have to do it all over again. And I'm just really grateful for him. So that's my little thing this week. Uh, What is your little thing this week? Okay, so I have to share something. I don't know if you have listened yet, but the Office Ladies podcast. Have you listened? No, I need to. Oh, Oh my God. So good. Okay, so it is Jenna Fisher and um, Angela Kinsey. Yes. Who played Pam and Angela on The Mm -hmm. Office. So they are actual real life best friends. And I've loved following them through the years because they always share like pictures of them going to dinner or whatever because they became best friends recording the show. And so they started this podcast and they are walking through every episode of The Office. Oh my goodness. I need to listen to that. It's and my kids amazing. would like it too. Yeah they, they, every episode. yeah, they would love it. And so they talk about like behind the scenes things and they share little tidbits. And so you can, when you listen to it, you can like watch it with them. So they'll say, oh, it's six minutes and 42 seconds. You'll see this in the background. This is actually, and they'll talk about things that happen in the episodes. Oh, so, crazy. I mean, they're only like four episodes in or something like that, but it is incredible. So you have to go listen. Only four episodes. They're not as seasoned as us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel exhausted, constantly rushing around, overwhelmed on a daily basis? Our friend Manda Carpenter wrote a 30-day devotional for women just like you. Whether you're in a season of being bored or insanely busy, Manda's devotional called Space takes you on a journey of living like Jesus did, fighting for your space and using it well. It's full of relatable stories and practical applications to help you transform your schedule and your quiet time. 
Listen, friends, I have admired Manda for a long time. Her devotional space, it's not just a book, it's a way of life. And this girl lives out the message of space as she consistently and genuinely invites women to create sustainable rhythms of work, play, and rest. Space is available on Amazon for just $12.99. So grab a copy for yourself and another to give your sister, your mom, your best friend, or even your child's teacher. And make 2020 the year for creating more space in your life. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode. Last week, if you joined us for the first segment of this topic about should women lead in the church, we talked about two terms, um, complementarianism and egalitarianism. And we broke those down, and we're going to go into those a little deeper today. But we also talked about three roles that women might play in a church, being deacon, an elder, or a pastor, teacher. We also looked at two verses that we feel like the church kind of falls back into when looking at these topics, one of them being 1 Timothy 2, 9-15, and the other being 1 Corinthians 14, 33-36. So there's a ton of scripture that goes into this. We talked through a lot of that last week. So if you want more information about this topic and you missed that episode, We encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode in this series. Um, You can also always check out our show notes for a list of scripture and resources. Now, this week we have a special guest with us to talk through this. So let's get into today's discussion. All right. We are really excited to have Pastor John Durham with us this week. He is the pastor of Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, which also just happens to be my church. So I have sat under his teaching for about a year and a half now and have just been really blessed by his humility and his heart for not only his local church, but um, the church globally. And uh, I can just tell you all, you're going to love this discussion today. You're going to love his heart. He is pro-women. He is pro um, just everyone in the church and loving people outside of the church and Um, I'm just excited where he's going to take us. So John, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Thank you for the invitation, ladies. And I'm so honored, humbled, and um, honestly, a little nervous to be around such great pros at this. So um, (laughs) fortunately, I have have a face built for podcasts. And so this is is a perfect (laughs) for sure. Um, So I have served here at Highland Baptist for uh, six years now. Uh, the title they have given me is lead pastor, which I like so much better than senior pastor. I have no idea how to <laughs> how to senior, but I think at times I know how to lead. So I I love that title. Before that, I was a pastor up in um, up in the Dallas area, and before that, I was a student pastor down in down in Houston. I think uh, in regards to kind of the topic of the day, it'd be really important for me to say that I have an amazing wife, Jennifer, and we yeah. have been married for 28 years now. Um, she is an amazing, um, Bible teacher, an amazingly gifted woman after the Lord's heart. And so I, I yield to her on so many things. Um, I think if Highland knew how often my best sermons were shaped by her and how often my best ideas were first given to me by her, you know, around dinner, um, they might have her be the lead pastor at Highland instead of, of me. She is a wonderful lady. And I always like to say in these conversations that I have a 21-year-old daughter who is so gifted, loves the Lord, is the wife of a pastor now. She's the wife of a youth minister up in the Dallas area. 
And so anytime we talk through egalitarianism and complementarianism, I think it's probably always wise to let the listener know that they're hearing from a man today that has a remarkable wife and a remarkable daughter. Yes. I don't know your daughter, but I have sat under your wife's teaching and Mm. she's incredible. I always tell people she's probably the most knowledgeable, most well-spoken, most gifted communicator female that I've ever sat under. And when I go to her Bible study, I feel like I'm in a seminary class. It's I leave mentally exhausted in a good way. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I feel that way every day of the week, actually. I leave a conversation <laughs> mentally exhausted after a dinner. I'm like, wow, you you have some depth and insight I, I don't have. So Yeah, she's pretty incredible. I, I agree. I agree. Well, good. Okay. So la- oh, also mentioned, you do have a son too, not just a daughter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I guess that, that'd be real complimentarianism for me to mention my son as, as well. <laughs> so Caleb is uh, 19. My gosh, just a fun kid. Um, he's a sophomore in college up in Dallas and um, is involved in his church up there. And I'm serious. I, Jennifer, and I say all the time, it is God's grace that has allowed us to have just two wonderful kids who are walking with the Lord and feel a little bit like John says um, in his letters. It is just it's a blessing to see our children walk with the Lord. And so we are are blessed by that. And so, yes, I do have a son. I'm sorry. I should. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reminding me <laughs> that yes. I do have a son as, as well. Yes, he, don't want to leave him out. Okay, so we're going to talk about these two definitions, probably not as in-depth as we did last week, but just give you a really blanket definition. So complementarianism is stressing that although men and women are equal in personhood, they are created for different roles. Egalitarianism is on the other end of the spectrum, and it agrees that men and women are equal in personhood, but there are no gender-based limitations on the roles of men and women. So, John, this yeah. is <laughs> this is um, this can be a loaded topic for some people. And so as we've talked to you and we want our listeners to know that we really are approaching this from a unified front that ultimately we just want people knowing Jesus involved in the church, bringing others to know the Lord. Uh, This is all secondary, but it is an important conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And I think one that I think people form opinions before researching scriptures, before seeking wisdom from others. And so that's kind of why we're having the conversation. Um, So we would just like to know, you mentioned, you know, your lead pastor, you've been a lead pastor before student pastor. And so we would love to know where you land on this issue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I do say, let me, let me unpack it this way. I think you're wise to say, let's do this for the unity of the church um, it is easy to to build up camps, and when you build up camps and you build up divisions and you start following you know personalities and you know who has the most social media followers, and we start following the people who who say the most exaggerated positions possible on your side. So to me, that's the sad part. You know, and I'm glad the conversation is happening because it needs to happen. And it's a wonderful thing to talk through with wisdom and with humility and with kindness and grace. And again, based everything, I hope on, my understanding of scripture and not just tradition and not just experience um, and not just, um, you know, because a powerful writer said so, but really trying to go back to, to scripture. And um, I, I would, that's where I would put myself. And I, I say that in that anytime anyone lands on a statement of here's who I am and here's who I will be that has some areas of, of disagreement in within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. I always think it's wiser to say, this is where I stand, but would you give me some grace to maybe change? And would you give me some grace to find 
some bridges where even if someone says, well, I'm more on an egalitarian role, I think I can hold hands with that person in a heartbeat in our, within our church and outside of our church within other churches and say, hey, that's, a, in my opinion, a peripheral issue. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that's at the heart of the gospel, the heart of the kingdom that we can agree upon. So uh, nail me down on it, and I'll say I'm a soft complementarianism. And, and I think um, polarizing people uh, and polarizing leaders are the ones who kind of want us to choose camp A or camp B. Yes. And they usually kind of tend to be leaders, again, who have an amazing social media following. It's on the peripheral things that we start seeing some of the, the differences. If we find ourselves and hey, where, where can we agree in Christ for, you know, as long as we agree on who Jesus is and that people without Jesus need Jesus and that God went, God sent his son to a cross, down a cross, fully resurrected, coming again. My gosh, I can hold hands with a lot of people if we can agree upon on those basic things. To me, egalitarianism and complementarianism are very needful topics, but they shouldn't be the defining topics of of the Capital C Church. So what would you say to maybe other church leaders who live in an area that you talked about polarization that are in an area where churches are divided on these types of issues? How would you encourage them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes back to what you know. What what are our core values that we can can hold together? So I'll, I'll give you a really, hopefully fresh, um, example of this. Carcade on on Monday, we had a lunch at McLean Stadium with, with 157 pastors and leaders from Waco, and we and so we're kind of in a in a in a movement, a, a, an ideation right now. What would it look like for 125 churches? So we still got a good 50 churches to go in this. 125 churches in Waco in 2020 to adopt every home in Waco to be prayed for. And there's 86,000 homes, so it's it's doable. Plus there's 14,000 apartment complexes. This is a doable thing. If every home in Waco is a, was prayed for, had the opportunity to have a Bible given to them, had an opportunity to, to share the gospel with them and invite them to a, a Christian community. You know, when we stood up there and talked about this vision, the the first thing we said was, this is low bar. I mean, if we can agree on prayer works and people need Jesus and it's the call of the church to be the carrier of the gospel, I mean, how you baptize and how you offer up communion and how you bring in new members and you know where you stand on, I didn't say this, but where you stand on egalitarianism and complementarianism, again, those are great conversations. I, I think anytime we can talk about scripture and doctrine and beliefs, it's all, it should be a healthy conversation. If it can be if it can come from a foundation of grace and love and, and a oneness with one another. So I, I think that as, if we can keep reminding ourselves that, man, there's so much more that we have in common that holds us together in Christ than, again, some peripheral issues that if we were to concentrate on those, we would not talk to each other anymore or we'd be constantly frustrated with one another because peripheral things do not bring the body of Christ together. It's the core values of, of, of being in Christ, the core values of Scripture. That's what brings us together. So we want to dive a little bit more into the practicalities of these two different thoughts and how these play out in the church on a day-to-day basis. So can you tell us where you land on women serving in the church, having roles in the church, and maybe how you reach that viewpoint and some scripture that you rely on? I like that question because it's kind of like, all right, bottom line Durham, like what, 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 what's done, what's not done at the church. So um, this is why I probably would call myself more of a, of a soft complementarian in that teaching, um, we allow um, and ask and encourage 
men and women both to to teach within the congregation. Um, and of course, I've got an incredible example of this um, on the podcast with me right now. Elizabeth Oates is one of <laughs> teacher in, in our church and has been asked and, and encouraged to teach and not just a room filled, filled with women, but also men in, uh, in the ABF in which she is, is um, encouraged to, to share her gifts. Um, my, my wife's another great example. In the summertime, we have a gathering of men and women uh, for some times of Bible study, and she is asked and encouraged and cheered on to stand in front of men and women to, to teach. And so at Highland, we do not believe that spiritual gifts are separated by, by gender. So in other words, um, my wife, Jennifer, my kind host today, Elizabeth Oates, they, I know they have the gift of teaching. I mean, it's, it's clear, it's, it's, it's obvious, it's exercised, and there's, there's fruit that, that happens when they exercise that gift. So, uh, you know, the, the reason that that does not make us or uh, allow me to fall on the egalitarian side is that it's still under the authority and the encouragement of the elders of the church. And so it starts really with, with membership, and then it, it goes from there into leadership, finding out who within our church, female and male, have those gifts of, of, of teaching. So the, uh, where, where the line would be drawn uh, for us, or where, where, where the line is right now, and again, that line might shift in two years, and I bet it's shifted uh, in the last 10 years anyway, is that um, for, um, for teaching from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, we have that at presently reserved for men because that is the position that, that the elders and I, so the nice thing is this isn't just some unilateral decision that I just made one day. You know, we've got to have a group of elders that, that we meet with. We've been very prayerful and, con, and considering kind of where, where we are on this. And so that is where we are today on the Sunday morning from the pulpit, giving spiritual authority and uh, spiritual direction to the church that that is reserved for, uh, for a male and again, not out of tradition, I hope, and not out of just experience, I hope, but just really searching through Scripture. And, you know, you mentioned, Kara Kay, the First Timothy 2 and the First Corinthians 14. To me, those should be two of a hundred verses looked at and not just the two verses. And I think that's probably where where my, my complementarian friends and brothers and sisters have probably made a mess, is that that's the only two Scriptures they tend to, to throw out and go, well, women can't speak, keep silent, cover your head, and, and just ask your husband at home. And if that if you just are going to base roles on those two verses, I can see why maybe you could land there. But if you put in the full counsel of God's word from design in the book of Genesis to Paul unpacking it, to Jesus unpacking that, uh, uh, to Peter unpacking that, then I think um, we can arrive at a lot better, healthier, more balanced place than just saying women stay quiet. So you know, with that said, you know we're, we're actually in the process right now of, of asking our new superintendent of WISD, who is a female, to stand on a Sunday morning and to share and to speak and to tell us, you know, her heart for our city and her heart for the kids in our city and how Highland can come alongside the superintendent's office. So it is it is not a uh, this might be where a hard complementarian would, would would diverge on this. It is not saying that a woman can never stand and speak. Um, and Elizabeth can attest to this on Sunday morning, often before I preach is a lady that is praying for me and praying for our congregation off yeah. on Sunday morning. It's a lady that leads out in the worship. And so it is not an all male, an all male um, stage at all. To me, that's what a hard complementarian would say. That's probably where I'd be more on the soft complementarian side that, you know, a female praying, a female speaking, a female teaching, 
the female leading out in worship, the female organizing all this. There's a lot of ladies that, that serve on the preparation side of what happens in our gatherings. Um, that's where, where I would, would find myself falling as a, as a soft complementarian. Where does that fall as far as elders, deacons, mm-hmm. other types mm-hmm. of leadership positions um, in a way that women can serve the church? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly there's a lot of, you know, anytime we do a member class, we have about 86 different little boxes on there. Where would you like to, to serve? And um, none of those boxes are male only or female only outside of our men's prayer time. Which a lady would be very off, would be very welcome to come to if she wanted to. She'd be the only lady in a room about twenty-five or thirty. And there, are, we have a ladies' prayer time on Saturday night. Then again, if the man wanted to come to, we would not, you know, toss him out of that. But certainly, give some times for our, our brothers to be together and our sisters to be together. So on that list uh, of the eighty-six, there is nothing that is gender only. However, uh, as elders uh, at Highland, that is reserved. And again, I, I hope I say this correctly: reserved biblically um, for for a man. And again, that is, I, I hope I say this in a lot of grace and maybe a little bit with my knees trembling because it's not a, um, you know, out of tradition or a patriarchal, you know, oppression of, of women. But what we have seen in, in scripture that anytime, especially for the and I, deacons can be the interesting conversation we have here in a little bit. But for elder, anytime you see biblically in the New Testament, a picture of or a statement of or parameters of or the office of elder Every time, and please, y'all to correct me if y'all find some of the places, but every time for elder, it is always within a, a, a male, a pronoun, a masculine pronoun, or spoken to a man, or again, uh, the office described as a man, and then this man has to be, you know, fill in the, fill in the blank. Deacon is a different, different deal biblically, uh, but for elder, that's uh, where Highland is. And so, again, um, we feel that teaching roles open to both genders, teaching both genders, but elder role reserved for a man biblically. So what would you say to a woman who comes to you and says, you know, I, here's my background, here's my training, mm-hmm. you know, maybe she's mm-hmm. been a part of your church or another church for a long mm-hmm. time, and she has the desire to serve in a leadership capacity outside yep. of teaching. How yep. would you encourage her to use her desires, her gifts in that capacity? Yep. Yeah, that's great. I mean, again, I, you know, one of the spiritual gifts is is, is shepherding and, and pastoring. It's, and I've, I've already gone on record as saying that is not reserved just for a man. And so there are opportunities within our church to um, for ladies to help shepherd groups of, of men and women. We, we call them, you know, every church has its own little idea for this, but we call them CGs, which stands for connection groups. And so uh, a man and a woman are able to, to lead out in a group of, of other men and women. Uh, we have uh, groups of of ladies only. So if a lady comes to me and says, I have a heart to pastor and I have a heart to shepherd, and that's a spiritual gift the Lord has given me, uh, we definitely have some opportunities for that. Now, if a lady were to come and say, God has called me to be an elder at Highland, um, I would my response would be, I bet God has called you to be an elder, but just not at Highland. There, are, Let me give you some lists of some other great churches in Waco that I love and respect Highly, and again, I you know Calvary and Mary Alice would be the first church. I, in fact, I did have this actually happened had a had a college girl two years ago on the very first day of Baylor. I was on Baylor campus, and she you know kind of grilled me, but you know I, I I grilled people when I was eighteen as well. So she kind of grilled me and said, you know, where do you stand on a woman being ordained as an elder at Highland? And I was like, well, I, I can tell you exactly where we stand, and I can already tell you you're not going to like my answer, but 
I can tell you a church that I would strongly recommend you to be a part of because I think if you came to Highland, we would frustrate you and you'd probably frustrate us. And it may not be a really good um, um, bond of unity that we would exist within. But there is a church who proclaims the gospel, who loves Jesus, who has great preaching on Sunday morning. Pastor's name is Mary Alice. And I would highly recommend you because I think y'all would probably on that peripheral issue. And, and, and she disagreed those peripheral. And I'm sure there's some wonderful sisters in Christ that would disagree this peripheral. But in my opinion, a peripheral issue, I think you would do so much better in another church. And I know for certain because I've talked to this college girl now that she's a 20 year old, that that's where she landed and she is flourishing at Calvary. And um, she may not believe this, but I can say this with all my heart. I am genuinely happy that that's where she is, that she's growing in Christ in that place. So that's what I would I would say, Kara Kay. I love to hear your perspective on this because I think a lot of times we get caught up in, well, this church believes this thing. This is where they land on an issue. So they are not willing to come alongside anybody else. They're not willing to work together. And so I think it's so great to hear your perspective and know that there are pastors, there's leaders out there that are willing to come alongside each other. So Thank you Absolutely. for sharing that experience. Thank you for saying that. That's a that's a good encouragement to me as well. Okay, we are going to move on a little bit because you yes. you even touched on it. The issue of deacons sometimes yes. is a little muddier waters yes. than elder or pastor. So, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I would love to. I knew that okay. question was coming also, so I've been excited about this. <laughs> we prepared I, you well. <laughs> yes, yeah, ladies, so much. No, nothing worse than a, a blind side. So thank <laughs> exactly. you all for <laughs> all good questions up front. You know, again, I, there there's going to be a lot of charity in my heart for this because I see both sides of this issue, and I would still, you know, kind of call myself a real soft uh, complementarian on this because you can look at scripture and. You know, it, it honestly, I, this is what's interesting. It comes down to Phoebe, were you a deacon as an officer or were you a servant because that was your character in your heart? And, and honestly, and, and again, both of y'all probably 10 times better Bible scholars than I am. That's the only place where I see why people are divided over it, which is kind of sad that there's been heated rhetoric and anger and hurt feelings and tears and frustrations and people leaving churches or because of that that issue, because there are some remarkable scholars that would say, yes, Phoebe held the office of deacon. Therefore, she gives the standard or the permission, if you will, a permissive stance to say there, there should be deacon, uh, female deacons in the church. There's just as scholarly of women and men who will say, no, it seems in light of Paul's unpacking of uh, the description of a deacon, again, almost always with that male pronoun, a husband of one wife must be a man who is, you know, respected and does is not, he is not given to much wine um, that would say, you know, then certainly Phoebe, you know, in, in that context that she was a servant, a diakonos servant, not a diakonos office and have, have fallen on the lines of let's, let's continue to have, um, men only serve as serve as deacons. And so um, it's, again, I have charity toward both of those sides, fully understanding how you can arrive at both of those, those things. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping to have a job next week when I say this, so I hope to see if I'm not in the pulpit <laughs> next Sunday, we do have a guest for this Sunday. I, I am probably in the uh, minority of our present leadership at Highland in saying that I would love to see actually a female deacon fellowship established. 
Um, now, here, again, here's my caveats on that. One, I will always yield to the collective wisdom of the elders of our church. I think that's wise for me. I, I, I don't have a special hotline to God that gets clearer answers than the other leaders of our church do. Um, I also think, and so this is another caveat, is I, I would see functionally it actually working better to have a body of deacons, a deacon fellowship who are male, and then a deacon fellowship in the church who are female. You know, I love that idea of, man, that there are some things, again, here's here's my gender role differentiation that men do really well. What would I love the, the female deacons at a, at a church to do? And maybe at Highland one day, maybe never at Highland. I, I'll trust the Lord on that. And it's certainly not going to be a hill I go die on, nor is it going to be something that Highland's going to rip to be ripped asunder over this. Um, I'd love to see a body of female deacons ministering in the hospital, ministering to widows, uh, ministering to um, to young widows, especially a, a mom who's lost a husband, uh, a wife who's lost a husband early in life. Um, you know, one, I feel clumsy and awkward in those relationships often anyway. And to sort of have, you know, a group of 25 female deacons within the body of, of, of faith here at Highland to be, you know, sent out to minister to ladies to, um, you know, I feel like, again, here's gender roles. And I may get get a lot of feedback on this stereotypical statement I'm about to make. I feel like ladies just have much more grace in times of, of desperation and times of grief than men have. Again, I feel like men can, can lift and can, can be strong and wise in some situations more so than perhaps a female. And I'd say that many more times a female can be much more gracious and generous and sensitive to the spirit than, than a man can. So if you, um, get a lot of feedback on your podcast. I bet it's going to be from that sentence, right? right, right <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's where we stand on Deacon. So, you know, bottom line, I, I don't want to stutter a whole lot when I say this at present Highland ordains male deacons based again, I, I pray ladies, I pray not on historical Christianity or tradition, but going back to scripture. And, you know, I, we, uh, the elders just got done with about an eight page year long process of, you know, God, where, where do we, um, you know, where, where are women serving within our church and are we empowering them to be everything God has called them to be? So a lot of things we talked about today, which is why I was really excited about being on here. It's really fresh. It's been in the last 12 months of our deliberations and prayer and biblical research. And, you know, sometimes honestly on our knees, asking the Lord for, for wisdom, because we don't want, I never, I don't want to approach the Lord one day and him go, man, you sure didn't allow your sisters to operate within their full gifting in a church. And also don't want to stand for the Lord to one day and go, wow, you sure pushed aside some scriptures that were seemingly clear, you know. So I, I, I want to be like Jesus in this. And I guess all three of us on this podcast want to, and all your hearers want to be like Jesus. I want to be 100% filled with grace on this topic and 100% filled with truth on this topic. And I don't want to waver from either one of those. And I don't think we have to. I think that's probably the false narrative that's out there. You can be truthful with no grace or so much grace that you've thrown out truth. And I really think that we should aim for and operate. I think we can operate in a full, fully grace, fully truth mode within our local churches. And I think that's what helps us to hold hands with other churches that, again, may have very different viewpoints. And I just laid out maybe even hard egalitarian. And uh, I, I think there's enough things we can continue to rally around the cross, around the gospel, around the grace and the truth of Jesus, where this does not have to be a disfellowshipping item around uh, for the churches in, in Greater Waco. You just said so many encouraging and wise things. I want to hit on a few of them real quick. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, these um, positions or stances at Highland, they're not 
they're not things that you have said, you know, made a dogmatic rule. This is the way it's going to be that you have accountability with the elder board. And I think that's important for people to remember. Sometimes they can, um, get frustrated with what particular person, whether it's on staff or in leadership. And just remember that I would, most healthy churches have some level of accountability and not one person is making these decisions. So I think that's really important to remember. Uh, and then also in talking about Phoebe, we, we talked about a bunch of verses last week, not just mm-hmm. first Timothy and first Corinthians, but mm-hmm. um, we did talk about Phoebe and w- what Kara Kay and I said was, you know, a lot of this is interpret interpretation and deciding where you land sure. when interpreting these verses. And, you know, you, you throw out Greek every Sunday morning. So I know you are well-versed <laughs> in this area. Um, I had to do a little more Greek. I had yes. to do a little more research for the Greek, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is looking at both ends of the spectrum, looking at the scriptures, looking at the cultural context, all of that and figuring out where you land. Cause like you said, there are very well-educated people who love the Lord and want the best for the capital C church on both, both sides of the camp. Another thing that you said about women deacons. So many years ago when I was young twenties and uh, lived in Dallas and we went to a pretty traditional church in Dallas Mm -hmm. and the issue of women deacons came up. And I remember thinking, um, or even having this conversation of, you know, it's, it's fine with me if we don't have that role or that title because women are serving in droves in the church. Yeah. We're going to do what we're going to do regardless of what title we have. I will say as I've gotten older, um, it's almost like uh, someone who is of another race Mm. or ethnicity and they see the leadership as all white male 50 something, you know, and they're a a, a 28 year old African-American man or Mm. woman. And they don't feel represented or they think, you know, what, how can they serve me when they don't even know me? And so I appreciate that you touched on that of it would be great to have women deacons because they can serve a population that is a little awkward or difficult for men to serve at times. No, I, I have said this before. And again, probably have had a few eye rolls when I said it. Every church I've been a part of, 65 to 70 percent of the servants within the church are female. Yeah. And so I've kind of jokingly said, although I'm not sure if everybody thinks it's quite a, quite a funny joke is the reason we have male deacons is we've got to have some men serving somehow. So we have to ordain them, ask them, interview them, give them a title, give them a pin, give them a golf cart key, give them a t-shirt. Go, okay. <laughs> now t-shirt. We, That's we, right. Yeah, exactly. Now will you serve? So, you know, I I'm with you that, um, if, if you were to extract the spiritual giftings of the ladies out of any local church in America, well, no, let me say world because I've traveled enough to see, uh, even more so globally, if we were to extract the spiritual gifting, the spiritual leadership um, out of a church, we would we'd be done for. Well, I, we, what we would be is we'd be incomplete, which is really kind of the the root of complementarianism. This should not be a, you know, men you can only do this, women you can only do this. This should be how do we complement each other in order to carry out the Great Commission, in order to carry out the heart of Christ to a uh, to a church. You know, every church is going to have have made some great choices. When we stand before the Lord, and I think every church, the Lord might go, man, I really, that's not really what I had in mind, you know, for you. But I think at that point, the fact that we're in the kingdom together and have, you know, we'll, we'll, when we see Jesus, we'll become like him. We'll, be, we'll see him as he is. We'll become like him. I think all these type of issues that a lot of people kind of get frustrated about or, or tweet in capital letters, I think that's going to kind of fall away when we go, oh, okay, so this is this is my sister. and This is my brother. And we had different peripheral issues and thoughts 
when we're you know running around this sod here. But now in the kingdom, those things I think will will fall away. I think if we kept that perspective of what is eternal and what is the futuristic hope of glory for all of us, then we probably wouldn't get so red in the face and again um, throw our hands up in frustration with one another if we realize really our destiny is the same for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we could kind of keep our mind in that, maybe we wouldn't be so divided on some of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, when I first emailed you about this uh, topic and just this, we really wanted you to come and speak on this podcast. Yeah. I remember you saying, I, you know, you'd love to do it. You said, I'm a very kind complimentarian. And I will <laughs> say you are one of the kindest I've ever met. So I really appreciate your time. I appreciate all your wisdom and your perspective and just your love for bringing people together in Christ. Yeah, Amen. I agree. And I would say something that really stood out to me as you were talking, and I think something that people need to really take away from this, or at least is my takeaway, I shared last week that I fall more on the egalitarian side. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a pastor's wife. My husband is a pastor, and our church actually doesn't really have, we fall more complementarianism, but me personally, where I fall is more on the other side. Um, And so I think it's really important for us to see the humility, the grace, Mm -hmm. and just listening to each other and understanding that no matter what our our viewpoints are on these peripheral issues, like you said, that we are serving a common goal. And any time that I'm stepping into leadership, my husband is my best friend, my pastor, and I go to him and we have these conversations. And I think that's really important for us to understand. And I love what you said about, are you equipping the women in your church? And I think that that is so wise. Um, because Elizabeth and I talked last week about women are coming in numbers and they are, they're already serving. They're already doing the work. And exactly what you said about women tend to have more of the nurturing side and they're able to reach people in a different way. So are we as the church really equipping them, even if we're not putting a title on them? So thank you for that. That's so great. That's great. Here's here, How about this for my closing, my closing comment? I, I would say to both of you, I'd say to my heart, I'd say to all your listeners, don't choose your church home based only on this issue. You know, go go to a church that loves Jesus and that just with great joy opens up God's word. You know, that's some, a question you can ask, you know, where do y'all stand? But I just I don't think that that should be the reason to leave a church, to join a church, to go to a church. There's so many other things that are such at the core, the heart of a church, you know, that as, as John talked about, like what's in the lampstand of that church? Like what is there something burning bright for Jesus and burning bright for the glory, burning for the glory of God, burning bright for the gospel. If that's the case, then run to that lampstand and that local church. And if it has a different opinion than you have biblically or on different issues, again, peripheral things, and I would still continue to call egalitarianism and uh, complementarianism something on the outside to talk about, to look at. But if that lampstand is burning bright at that church, then you stay in that church and pray through that, that situation, go back to scripture. And what if the next 50 years in that church, you just lovingly, agree to disagree on that outside issue to me that's more powerful for the church to say you know what there's some things on the outside that you know kind of bother me or wish it was done differently but this is the local church i belong to and this is where that lampstand is shining bright and i'm going to join in on that 
That's a good word to end on. Thank you so <laughs> much for your time, your wisdom, and just your willing heart. We really appreciate it. Thanks, sisters. Good to see y'all both and to talk to you both today. Have you ever considered starting your own business, but realized the millions of reasons why it would be too difficult and you've just given up? Or are you a small business owner who just needs a little extra push? Enter our friend, Retha Nicole. She is a life and business coach helping businesses go to the next level. Now, maybe you're thinking, what in the world can coaching do for my business? So I'm going to give you five things that Retha does to help you go to the next level. Number one, she gives you a clear path to move your business forward. She also transforms your visions into goals. Don't we all need that? She will help you implement a strategic plan to grow your business successfully. Also, she gives you a personalized marketing strategy to help boost your lead generation efforts. And finally, you will have a dependable accountability partner to help keep you on track with your goals. Now, I don't know, if you're like me and you feel like you're a squirrel running around chasing the next new shiny marketing idea, you probably need someone like Retha Nicole to swoop in and save the day with your business. You can contact Retha Nicole at RethaNicole.com today for a free consultation to see if she's a great fit for your business, which I'm pretty sure she will be. So contact her at RethaNicole.com to start making your dreams and goals a reality. All right, guys, what a great conversation today. We hope this really helped you reframe your thinking and the way you view the church and leadership. And we always wrap up our episodes here talking about resources that are helping us reframe our thinking. So Elizabeth, is there anything you are reading or watching or listening to this week that's helped you reframe the way you look at the world? Absolutely. So I watched the mini series on Netflix called When They See Us. Oh, so good. So it's the story of these five men. They are now called the Exonerated Five, but they were called the Central Park Five. There was a woman jogging through Central Park and she was attacked and raped and almost killed and just left for dead. And these five boys, I mean, and they were truly boys, 14 and 15 year olds. And they were convicted of this heinous crime, even though there was zero DNA evidence, zero any sort of evidence, the timelines of when they're in the park didn't match up. I mean, it's, it's just crazy and mind boggling that they were actually found guilty and they went to prison. They spent about six or four to 16 years or five to 16 years. They all had different, um, sentences that they had to serve out, but the, the longest was 16 years. And then it came out, the guy who actually committed the crime confessed and he, um, his DNA match. So I'm not giving, this is not a spoiler because this is a true story. Most people know it, but I will say, and and I remember I was texting you and boxing you as I'm watching this four part series and parts one and part four are excruciating. It's, it's so one of the most difficult things I've ever watched. It is. It's really hard to watch. And I am so grateful that these types of shows and books and things are available for us because I think that most of the time white men and women we kind of just fall into our privilege and we don't realize these things are happening yeah because they don't affect us right and these types of things are just so eye-opening that this is the kind of things that the black and brown communities deal with on a daily basis that moms and dads are scared for their kids to walk out the door. 
And now that I'm raising a black son, I'm just so hyper aware of all of these types of things and can semi understand. I will never fully understand what it's like being a black woman raising a black child. But for me to raise this black son that right now he's adorable because he's almost four. He's cute and adorable. And that's what people see. But here in a few years, he's likely going to be really tall, really big boy. Um, And in a few years, people are going to see him as a threat. And so these types of shows to really see the background and what's going on is so important, I think, for people to watch and understand what people go through on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you are able to offer this perspective. I remember I attended a foster care and adoption training. And there was a mom there who they had adopted uh, an African-American boy and girl. And then she had three biological children. And she said, what can the church do to address the issue that like what you just said, right now, these little black boys are super cute and adorable and we all love them. But one day they're going to grow up to be scary black men in the Mm -hmm. eyes of many people. And how how can we as the church come alongside and change that stigma and support these boys and support these families because it's, it's definitely prevalent now, even though this case of, um, you know, the central park jogger, it was 30 years ago and yet it's still happening today. Yep. It happens every single day. So, yeah. So there's that show when they see us and then Oprah had a two hour special that I watched also where Mm -hmm. she interviewed the people who played the roles in the movie. And then she had the real men that this actually happened to. And again, it's so difficult to watch, but so, so necessary. I, everyone I've been talking to, I've told them you will, you will be a changed person when you see this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Highly recommend it. You have all Thanksgiving weekend. You have four days. That's right. If you haven't watched it yet, get on it. Yeah. So what about you? What are some, what's a resource that is helping you reframe your thinking? Um, I just finished reading a book called, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Ooh. I flew through this book in like two days. Um, it's written by two of my favorite podcasters. They have a podcast called Pantsuit Politics. I think I've mentioned them before here on the show, Yeah, but I, it kind of reminds me of the a conversation that we are having surrounding this topic of should, should women lead in the church, but they discuss politics. One of them is a Democrat. One of them is a Republican. And they just have these extremely graceful conversations and talk from both perspectives. They never debate. They never argue. And I just love hearing that perspective of politics, that it's possible to have graceful conversations when you don't agree on certain topics. It just really helps you learn to give more grace to other people who don't believe the same things as you do and be able to have those conversations. And I think as women, a lot of times we tend to kind of step away from politics and not want to have those conversations. That has been the case for me really until I adopted my son and realized, wow, these policies really make a difference for our family. And then it started helping me see how much policies in our community and in our country affect people that are the people we're trying to reach as the church. And so it really was eye-opening for me the last few years to listen to their podcast and now read their book. I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds good. I know. I listened to that podcast because of your recommendation. (laughs) They are great. All right. Well, thanks for listening today as we continued our discussion on women in the church and answered the question, should women lead in the church? We hope this conversation helps you rethink the way you view women leading in the church. 
Now make sure you join us next week as we dive into part three and talk with Mary Alice Birdwhistle, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church here in Waco, Texas. And guys, don't forget to go and leave a review of the podcast. This helps more people find us and dive into these important conversations with us. Also, we would love to connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. We are at The Asking Pod, so go give us a follow. Each week, we post new questions and things that we're discussing on the podcast, and we always want your input. You can also connect with each of us on Instagram. I am at karake.james, and Elizabeth is at elizabethoates underscore. And finally, keep asking questions for a friend.